Wednesday, February 3rd, I'm Bill, and this is Where Icarus Flies. Well, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus the last couple of weeks, and I've gotten uh, a few emails about that. Uh, What's going on? Where are you? You're off the air? No, no, no. Uh, Half technical dilemma, half just busy slash lazy. (laughs) Uh, Two weeks ago, when we had some big storms here in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, I lost power here at the house, and my recording studio uh, took a hit. Now, normally losing power isn't that detrimental to a computer. Yeah, it can be bad, uh, but normally it can handle it. Unfortunately, uh, I lost power twice. (laughs) And the first time, it was literally 30 seconds into a a defrag I was doing on my drive, and it did not like that. I tried to come back from that, and while I was in the midst of trying to repair some damage, um, I lost the power again. Uh, And I I waited a couple of hours. Um, So I didn't, you know, I wasn't trying to repair it right in the middle of the storm. So I don't know what was going on. Just two, you know, moments of bad luck, and it kind of fried my computer. Uh, I got it, uh, I got it all back up and running uh, from a backup I had. So that that kind of blew a week right there because I had other things going on last that week, and then last week, just a lot of things going on um, here at the house. Uh, I am a Cubmaster for the Cub Scouts, and this past weekend was our giant, one of our giant events of the year, the Pinewood Derby. If you don't know what the Pinewood Derby is, basically you get a block of wood and four nails and four plastic wheels and you design a car. So we were putting the last touches on our cars and we had some other things to do around the house. So unfortunately, between that and the the very few moments that I had uh, of free time, I was just lazy and, and just didn't get it going last week. So I apologize for that. We are back. Joey's going to be here a little later today. we got a good show for you. There's a lot to talk about. I mean, there's just always stuff happening, right? So you take a couple weeks off, and there's now things that I missed that would have been cool to talk about. And we'll see what we can throw in there. By the way, if my voice sounds a little more gruff or hoarse than normal, uh, you know, it's Wednesday. Our Pinewood Derby was on this past Saturday. Uh, but between the meeting we had the night before and the, you know, announcing for the Derby for about five hours on Saturday, my voice took a hit. <laughs> so it might be a little gruffer than usual. Uh, maybe that sounds cool on the uh, podcast. I've also been messing around with the levels of the background music. And the feedback I've gotten the last couple of weeks, or last couple of podcasts, I should say, is that it's a lot better. 
Uh, it's not jumping up and down, and it's not too loud. So any of that kind of feedback, technical issues, critiques, you know, I do want to hear that. Right? So send that into feedback at whereicarusflies.com. All right, so let's get going. We got a lot to talk about, and I uh, really try to stay under an hour on these podcasts. So let me tell you what's on tap. All right, here's what we have on tap this week at Where Icarus Flies. There's a new segment because there's so many little things that I want to mention. I don't want to create a whole segment around it. There's a new segment I'm going to introduce called Where Icarus Flies Jambalaya. And I love jambalaya. It has nothing to do with New Orleans being in the Super Bowl. Just a coincidence. But jambalaya, one of those foods, it has a lot of ingredients. So this section is where I have a lot of little topics that I want to talk about. Not for very long, but I want to bring up some things. Uh, I want to mention the Super Bowl. I want to just mention some thoughts on the NBC and Conan O'Brien kind of follow-up from earlier podcasts. I want to mention the Olympics. Talk about the Grammys and American Idol. So I'm going to fit all those kind of hodgepodge of topics into Workers Flies Jambalaya. I want to talk today about unbreakable records. Uh, there was an article I read on the web. Oh, now it was you know probably a week and a half, two weeks ago, about some unbreakable records. So I want to give you my thoughts on some records that I don't know about unbreakable but certainly ones that will last quite a while. And I do think that there are many that are just unbreakable. They, they won't be broken again, especially in the, in the realm of sports, just because of how some of the leagues and games have changed. So I want to give uh, my thoughts on that. It was really hard to choose. There are, as I said, so many records out there um, in entertainment. I mean, there's the Guinness Book of World Records, right? So we're really going to limit our conversation to some of the more mainstream records to look at. We have Joey Hoover will be in the house with us a little later, so we'll have the Hoover Report. And then we're going to wrap things up. We're uh, going to take a break from Masterworks Theater this week. All right, so that's what we have on tap for Where Icarus Flies this week. It's time now for a little Where Icarus Flies Jambalaya. I have a few ingredients to throw into this segment. Let's start with the Super Bowl, since it is this upcoming Sunday. I apologize up front. I normally don't like uh, rustling paper noises or mouse clicks on the podcast, but I am going to... You know, use my computer live here. So if you hear some clicking, I apologize for that. First of all, whether you're a Colts fan or a Saints fan, let's just hope it's a good game, right? I mean, of course, if you're a diehard one way or the other, you don't want it to be. I get that, right? I'm a Patriots fan. I grew up in New England. Um, The Patriots, you know, used to be like the Saints, right? The beloved team of America. After 9-11... And the Patriots getting to their first Super Bowl in 2001 and battling the the St. Louis Rams and their high-powered offense, right? The underdogs, and there's a lot of story there with the team. Everybody loved the Patriots. Fast forward, 
you know, nine years later and, you know, through some missed steps in management and PR and coaching and just because they've done so well, I mean, you want to hate the big guy. Uh, so I get that. So New Orleans is in that place right now. But this is what I don't understand when it comes to the Super Bowl this weekend. Everyone's talking about the Saints as the underdog. And that just does not make sense to me. What are you talking about, the underdog? I mean, I think that most folks just want to like the Saints and root for the Saints, right? Yes, Indianapolis has a good team. I think that they're an overrated team this year. Uh, They're nowhere near as good as some of the teams they've had in the past, but they're still a good team. And I do believe they still deserve to be in the Super Bowl. And, you know, especially as a Patriots fan and the big rivalry we have with the Colts, as much as I want to dislike Peyton Manning, I can't do it. I like the guy. I I respect him. I think he's a, a great quarterback. Of course, we can argue all night whether, you know, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning is better, right? But he's a good guy, and I really like him. Uh, I, I'm not rooting for the Colts. I'm rooting for the Saints. One, because as a Patriots fan, I just can't, you know, live to see the Colts win. And secondly, because the Saints have never been there, right? And they're a good story after Katrina and spending a season, you know, away from home on the road, pretty much the whole season. And, you know, just being the laughing stock, right? The Aints. And now that they, they've risen, you know, to make it to the Super Bowl and they have this great offense. So this is what I don't understand. Why are they the underdog? Right now, the Saints are favored to win by four and a half as the line stands today. The Saints have the number one total offense in the league. Uh, the Colts have the ninth, right? As far as passing yardage, Indianapolis is number two, but the Saints are a very respectable number four. As far as rushing, this is where I need to click around here. As far as rushing, let's take a look at that. Uh, The Saints are ranked sixth overall in rushing. And it took me a minute here to find the Colts because they're ranked dead last in the league. 32nd for rushing offense. Let's look at defense now. Neither team has an impressive defense, and typically when you have such a high-powered offense, you're lacking in defense. Not always, right? But the Colts are ranked 18th in team defense, and the Saints are ranked 25th. Neither has a flashy defense, right? And I'm not going to go into passing defense and rushing defense because both of them, the Colts and the Saints, or mid to, you know, bottom of the barrel there. So when you slice this up any which way, the New Orleans Saints are not the underdog this coming weekend. They've had the better team all year. Yes, the Colts had a wonderful record. The Colts had a wonderful winning streak, smashing the winning streak of my New England Patriots. Uh, But the Colts very easily could have lost seven or nine more games. They came from behind. It shows, you know, it's a testament to their team. It it shows just how good Peyton Manning can be that just like a a Tom Brady, you're just not out of a game. I mean, mentally, 
Peyton Manning is the kind of guy with his talent, with his raw passion that can bring a team to the next level and come up with those big plays. And Brady did not do that this year, but when you look at his history, I mean, he's kind of a guy like, now I'm, I'm a Boston guy, right? So I'll bring this name up, like a Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie, whether you loved him or hate him in the NFL, Doug Flutie had the kind of talent and personality that made everyone around him believe believe that they could win and that they would win and Peyton Manning is that kind of guy too I don't think that's true of Drew Brees I think that the Saints are certainly running on passion yes the Colts are in the Super Bowl and they've been in the Super Bowl before right so that is an advantage I'll give you that I mean there's some mental game there but let's face it the Colts beat a very subpar Bears team a couple of years back. The New Orleans Saints don't have that playoff experience like the Colts, right? or the being able to win the big game experience as a franchise. As players, there's a lot of players on both teams that are both new and that are both veterans to playoffs. I mean, Drew Brees knows how to win big games. He is not an underdog guy. So I throw this out there at you. The Saints, as much as everyone around here wants to root for them, and that's great to root for them. I'm rooting for them, too. They're not the underdog. The Colts are. I'm hoping for a good game. All right, on to NBC and the late-night debacle. I got to tell you, I've been, uh, if you follow the Twitter feed, I've been defending Jay Leno, and I I think that's fair. I, I really don't believe that he's the bad guy in this. I don't necessarily think he's a good guy either. Uh, Conan is certainly not the innocent bystander. Uh, there are just good guys and bad guys all around. At the end of the day, I agree wholeheartedly that Conan got screwed. And I think that given time, Conan would have really brought The Tonight Show back to its glory. I really do believe that. I think in the short term, NBC made the right decision because Leno's going to bring them the ratings that Conan is not. Unfortunately, and here's here's the, at the end of the day, this is the thing that worked against Conan the most. NBC is not in a position to be able to think long term. If you start looking at a couple of years from now, and especially five, ten years down the line, they made the absolute wrong move. They needed to keep Conan O'Brien. They screwed that one for their long-term success. Unfortunately, though, they're in a position where they cannot string, uh, think strategically. They have to be tactical. They have to think long-term. They are a sinking ship. They have to shore up the problems of today. And in the short term, the next 18 months, 24 months, Jay Leno is their answer. So I think that, at the end of the day, is really what hurt Conan the most. Because if NBC really was thinking long term, they would have kept Conan. Um, I love the fact that these they're repeating Conan right now in the Tonight Show spot. Because there are, oh, dozens of episodes that I hadn't seen 
and they're they're very good. I mean, there's been a battle on the web, right? Conan's not really funny. Conan is funny. I happen to think he's very funny. I happen to think he's talented. I think that there's a lot that he did on Late Night that doesn't transfer over to Tonight, and he did make a lot of changes, and he just needed to find his way. So I wish Conan good luck. I really hope he comes back gangbusters in September. I think he'll do better personally on a cable network than on Fox, but wherever he goes, I hope he comes back and he kicks butt. And that'll be a testament to him. I will say something real nitpicky for the Jay Leno show, because I, I think Jay's funny. I like Jay, you know. Bash me all you want for that. Yes, he's old. Yes, he's different, right? The set and his whole opening montage sequence, I hate it. Absolutely atrocious. It turned me off to the Leno show just from a visual aspect. The Tonight Show, visually, stellar. Outstanding. The use of colors, the use of shapes and imagery. I thought the set was absolutely wonderful. I think it was one of the best um, you know, late night kind of talk show sets that I've seen. Uh, Letterman's, you know, kind of standard. He's been doing the same thing for years and years and nothing that great. Uh, it works for him, right? It's not awful, right? Leno's was awful. You know, Kimmel, Fallon, uh, the other guys. The Tonight Show set was spectacular. They really knew what they were doing. And I think that helped, right, in Jay's problem. I and mean, if you're already visually turned off to it, it's, it's not going to help, right? That was not the Jay Leno show's problem. That's not why they had their demise, but it didn't help. Hey, the Olympics are coming up. Opening ceremony is February 12th. I'm very excited for this. I have two young sons, a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, and they were just massively into the Winter Olympics last time around. Sean White really won my boys over. And what's funny is, you know, at this age, uh, four years makes a huge difference because they barely remember the last Olympics. They remember bits and pieces. And at first, uh, my older son didn't really remember Sean White. And then as he watched some of the footage, uh, because we've been watching some interviews and things, I think it was, was it 60 Minutes or something the other night, 2020, I don't remember now, uh, that had a piece on Sean White. And it was pretty cool. And, and it really jogged the memory of my nine-year-old. So they're very excited over the Olympics. They, if you've been listening to me for a little while, you know that they are both uh, becoming big into hockey. Grew up in the Boston area, as you know, so I am a Bruins fan. But we also root very heavily here in my house for the San Jose Sharks. We love the Sharks. Uh, it's one of those things where the kids are growing up Sharks fans. They also love the Bruins. You know, so they do root, root for both. We loved watching the Winter Classic with the Bruins in it, but we're, we are Sharks fans here as well. And because of that, they're very excited over Olympic hockey. My older son is determined to watch every Team USA game. We'll see if we can get that done for him. You know, in the days of DVRs and TiVo, it's a lot easier. So we are very much looking forward to the Olympics in my house. Hey, the Grammys. I don't normally watch a lot of award shows, um, but we watched, my wife and I watched the Grammys 
this past weekend. You know, I like to watch the Oscars. I watch a little bit. You know, we watch bits and pieces of the different shows. The Grammys was a fun show. It was like a big concert, which makes it a lot of fun. There were some wonderful performances there. Pink, outstanding. Uh, I just love her voice. I love the power and angst of a lot of her other songs and not the song that she sang on the Grammys, but the song she sang, she she was absolutely wonderful. Her performance uh, reminded me of something out of Cirque du Soleil. Oh my gosh, she was amazing. Beyonce, of course, was stellar. I think some of the big misses, to my ears, uh, I love Taylor Swift. Her bubblegum version of country is very cute. But her singing, I don't know, there was something off about it. Whether she couldn't hear herself on the monitor, or she just was not in tune with the musical accompaniment from the band. And then her duet with Stevie Nicks, and I love Stevie Nicks, I thought that was awful as well. It was just, again, a little bit off. I think a friend of mine pointed out, if you listen to it, there's a couple of points where there's some, you know, break in the music for a, a bit. You know, you very quick, you know, second or two. And when you hear the two of them harmonizing, they did sound pretty good. But with the music, they were just both off. I, I didn't care for that performance at all, unfortunately. There were some other ones. You know, I know Jamie Foxx is, like, huge. And I know, you know, very few, from what I read, right, very few have uh, larger egos than Jamie Foxx. But, you know, his song with T-Pain... It's kind of cool, but I, I don't, is it me? I'm getting sick of that electro garbage sound, right? Jamie Foxx can sing. I've heard him. You know, T-Pain can sing, but I couldn't tell listening to both of those guys. I, I couldn't stand it. You know, I know the Black Eyed Peas like to use that a lot. And, you know, sometimes it works. I mean, sometimes it sounds cool, but, you know, I'm, just, I'm getting sick of it. I don't know about you, you know, when everybody starts using it. It's just becoming very annoying to my ears. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the Black Eyed Peas, for me, they're kind of hit or miss. I probably like, you know, less than half of what they come out with. I think, you know, about half of it or more, for my ears, is just garbage. The, the, you know, there are songs that are quite wonderful. So, and I know I'm not probably in their demographic either. I'm not the age that they are aiming for anymore. <laughs> So I get that, right? I thought the tribute to Michael Jackson was okay. Nothing special. I, I, I didn't, you know, I, they didn't do anything for me, that musical tribute. I thought that uh, the speech by, you know, his son Prince was just kind of creepy. Um, you know, both of them were just have issues, I'm, I'm sure, right? All in all, it was a fun show, and I did enjoy watching it. I do have this question, though. I don't understand. You know, I know they give out a bunch of awards before the show because they just can't fit everything in the time allotment that they have. But on the show, the live show, they gave out the Female Pop Singer Award, and that was a big deal. Yet the Male Pop Singer Award was given before the show. I, I don't get that, but whatever. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. All right, I want to finish up John Belia just mentioning American Idol. American Idol, huge show in my house. I love that show. Uh, you want to rake me over the coals for that, go right ahead, because that show rocks. 
It's just easy to watch. It's mindless. It's fun. I love it. I absolutely love it. In any case, you know, this whole guest judge thing, I I can't wait to see Ellen um, when she starts her debut in Hollywood Week because I think she's going to add some good stuff to the show. The guest judges they use throughout the cities, and and I didn't watch last night's yet. It's it's on my DVR because I watched the uh, season premiere of Lost, as with, you know, probably 80 bazillion other people. So I haven't seen last night in Denver. But, you know, if you, the guest judges, some of them, right? How do you choose folks without personality? You know, was it Joe Jonas? I don't know. X dot Jonas, right? Some Jonas brother was in there. Absolutely um, no personality. Avril Levine, could you have someone that is just more blah. I mean, they could have just... I mean, they got plenty of those giant Coca-Cola cups, right? They could have just filled that with some soda, left it in front of her empty chair, and it would have been just as interesting as Avril Lavigne. Katy Perry, I think... You know, I'm not in love with. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of buzz out there on the uh, interweb about... Katy Perry and Kara going at it. And I thought that was kind of interesting, right? And there's a lot of folks who would like to see Katy Perry take over Simon's spot when Simon exits the show at the end of this season. And that might be kind of interesting, right? I mean, she's kind of bitchy. She tells it like it is, or, you know, really what that means is to say people tell it like it is, is I'm using that excuse to be rude to you, right? Because you can say someone's not good, and then you can say, bye, you really stink, you suck. You need to, you know, go back to your plumbing business. And whatever, I think the show needs that, right? I mean, Simon's become a multi-megastar because of it. So I don't begrudge uh, her wanting to do that and jockey for a spot on the show. So we'll see what happens. But I am looking forward to Hollywood Week. I think they have some good ones. You know, I'm tired of seeing... So many of these uh, crummy singers. I mean, some of them are pretty funny. I'll give you that, right? I'd like to see more of the good singers, right? A a better balance. You know, what's funny is uh, a few seasons ago, they were showing, uh, was it Simon Fuller? Uh, One of the creators of American Idol. And he was at the, you know, one of the large stadiums. And he was given a talk right beforehand. And basically he was saying something like, you know, if you're not a good singer, you might as well walk away now because only the best make it through us. I mean, basically, the judges do not sit through, you know, 8,000, 15,000 auditions, right? They go to one of those big venues on a different day, by the way. And they go to the venue and then there's a, a, a legion of producers and, I don't know, talent scouts, for lack of a better phrase, that basically go through and they choose X amount of people that get to go then stand in line and, you know, try out for the judges. So the judges don't see all, you know, 15,000 folks, 11,000 folks. And clearly, right, they're not weeding out the crappy singers. They're letting mostly the crappy singers through. And I I get that, right? Some of it's ratings. I mean, without things like William Hung uh, and his uh, 
She Bangs song, and this year's uh, Pants on the Ground, right? That makes, that brings something to the idol sphere, that interesting kind of, you know, goofiness. And, you know, the other thing is people like to watch the bad auditions and make fun of those folks. It's human nature, right? Schadenfreude is the German word for, uh, you know, I don't remember the exact definition, but uh, basically reveling in the bad fortune of others, right? So we, we like that. And, you know, some of that's pretty funny. So I look forward to the upcoming season of American Idol. That has been Where Icarus Flies Jambalaya this week. All right, a couple of weeks ago, MTV had an article on unbreakable records. Now, they had a mixture of sports and entertainment records. So I want to talk about unbreakable records. What some of the records that I think just aren't going to be broken. Now, this is such a huge topic that I am going to concentrate for the most part on sports and the major sports here in the U.S. Hockey, football, baseball, basketball. There are oodles and oodles of records out there, hundreds if not thousands of records that will never ever be broken, that are just impossible under today's standards. Why? Because of a fundamental change in whatever that area is, has undergone. For example, uh, baseball, right? The game has changed. It's different today than it was a hundred years ago. So there are some records that will stand for all time just because of the way things have changed. So with so many unbreakable records out there, how did I come up with the list? I just went with what I really believe are some of the most impressive. I tried to stick to records that have a chance to be broken one day, but not always, right? So there's a lot of records out there. Um, You know, some of the ones that MTV pointed out, right? Michael Jackson's Thriller as the best-selling album of all time. Uh, There are estimates that say that it sold 110 million copies worldwide. I think it's naive to think that that... And another record, right? Um, Gone with the Wind, and it's 202 million ticket sales. Right? When you adjust for inflation... It's made billions of dollars more than Avatar. But with the amount of people in the world continuing to grow, number of ticket sales, number of albums sold, all right. Although I think that those records have a chance to stand for a heck of a long time. I look at Gone with the Wind. When did that come out? I think it was, was it 1929 or 1939? I think it was 1929. It was in the 20s. Right, so that certainly has stayed a long, long time. The nearest competitor to the number of ticket sales for Gone with the Wind is the original Star Wars. And that is 24 million tickets behind 
Gone with the Wind. But I think uh, one day that will be broken, right? As will Michael Jackson's Thriller selling 110 million copies. Uh, The Beatles' 20 number one hits, MTV says, is unbreakable. Well, I don't know about that. You know, Mariah Carey is close. She has 18 number one songs. Now, you know, her star is fading, but she's still around. I think that she still has a shot to bust out two or three more number one hits. She hasn't had a number one hit for a couple of years, but she did get one in 2008 with Touch My Body. Uh, There's really not many others that are close. And if you limit it to just, uh, you know, rock groups or, or, you know, group, you know, Mariah is a solo artist. If you limit the conversation to groups, there's no one even close to 20. You know, and there's some wonderful bands out there that have been around a long time, right? Aerosmith comes to mind. U2. You know, if they're not coming close to the Beatles, then that's going to be a hard one to break. But I think over time, it will be broken. And just because, you know, Mariah is nipping at their heels, I would say, let's not list this as unbreakable. It might not be likely. It might be very hard for her to rip off three more number one hits. But I think that she still has... You know, a long career ahead of her. They had some other things in there. 57 years of The Guiding Light. 57 years on TV. Uh, Is it likely that we're ever going to see another television show that runs 57 years? Probably not. 57 years from now, I don't think we're going to recognize television uh, and broadcast networks like we do today. So that's, that's a fundamental change there. So jumping over to sports, I want to come up with some of, you know, give you some of my list. Now, there are some unbelievable records in sports, and I think many, as I said, that just will not be broken. One of those is Cy Young, 511 career wins. 511 wins as a pitcher. That'll never be broken. I I really believe that has no chance whatsoever of being broken. The game has changed. Right back in Cy Young's day, you know, pitchers would pitch every third day or every fourth day. Now you pitch every five days and you're lucky to pitch, you know, get what? 25 starts in a season 30 starts in a season there's just no chance um, Clemens for example is second or third on the list I don't have it right in front of me and he's in the 350 range in wins I think he's 340 something okay so it's just not going to happen there are some other records that folks list out there that I think You know, I think they'll get broken. One of them I do want to talk about is Pete Rose's career hits. I mean, this is listed by most, when I was looking at different records, unbreakable records, Pete Rose's career hits was listed up there one of the most times as as with records. And 
That's an incredible feat. Now, a lot of folks will say, you know, all right, you have to collect 200 hits in 21 seasons, and you're still short by over 50 hits. Well, let's look at Pete Rose, right? He paid for 24 seasons. He hit for over 200 hits 10 times in those 24 seasons, which was an incredible mark. Pete Rose averaged over the course of 24 seasons, and his hit total tailored off quite a bit the last few seasons. I mean, we're talking down into the, you know, 30s, 40 hits. He averaged 177.3 hits. You know, so 177 hits a season for 24 seasons. Massively impressive, don't get me wrong. By the way, I do think strongly that Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Whether you uh, like what he did or not, and of course, hopefully no one does, but when it comes to the all-time hit leader being in the Hall of Fame and his transgressions with gambling had nothing to do with his hitting, he needs to be in there. Put asterisks, put red diamonds, you know, put a bright pink sign neon sign that uh, you know caveats do whatever you want but he be- he belongs in the hall of fame anyway soapbox done so when it comes to 4256 hits is there anyone that has a shot well actually when you start looking at stats and I didn't go deep in here I see you know a handful of players that have a shot at breaking that hit total I think the best shot is probably Arod So when A-Rod was 18, he began playing. So if you take away his first two seasons, when he was 18 and 19, when he was 18 years old, he played 11 games and had 17, I'm sorry, 17 games and had 11 hits. And when he was 19, he played in 48 games and had 33 hits. When you take away those totals, and you look at the average for the rest of his career when he was a full-time player. And this is through 2009 season. A-Rod is averaging 177.6 hits a game, uh, season. And he's only 33. So if A-Rod's career has the longevity and just plays you know, another 10 years and he's able to continue the way he has played so far, he will break Pete Rose's record. Yes, there's a lot of things that could happen in 10 years. Can he keep up that pace? Injuries, all sorts of things that could happen. What I'm saying is he's got a legitimate shot. Jeter, Derek Jeter, I also think, is someone that has a very legitimate shot at this record as well. When you look at Jeter's stats, let's see, sorry for the paper rustling. So when he was 21, he played in 15 games and he had 12 hits. So let's take that away to look at the average. Actually, let's look at that. Right now he has 2,747 hits. Jeter has hit 200 more hits in a season seven times so far. Jeter has played for effectively 14 seasons. Yes, this is technically his 15th. Like I said, he had that 
first season where he played in 15 games. But when we look at realistically, he's played in 14 full seasons. And already he's hit 200 plus hits in seven of those seasons. The kind of athlete Jeter is and the way he treats the game and his body, it's very realistic to think that he's got another 10 years in him. Right now, Jeter is averaging, let's, if you count that first season with just 12 hits, Jeter's averaging 183 hits a season. When you take off that teeny blip of a first season, Jeter is averaging 195 hits a season. So Jeter has a truly legitimate shot at breaking Pete Rose's record. And I'm sorry, I, I, I said earlier I think A-Rod has the best chance. No, Jeter, I think, has the best chance of breaking that record. A lot of people talk about Ichiro. Now, Ichiro has played in nine seasons. Ichiro has hit over 200 hits all nine seasons. Every season he's been in the majors. He's had 262 hits and 242 hits in a season. He's averaging 225 hits a season. What's the problem with Ichiro? His age. Does he have 10 more years in him? Can he keep that pace up? Maybe. If he can, he certainly will eclipse Rose's record. I don't think that he's going to have the longevity that a Jeter will have. But he is certainly someone that has a legitimate shot. Uh, some of the real young guys, Dustin Pedroia, he's only been in the league a few years, you know, MVP for the Red Sox a couple of years ago. He's averaging 187, almost 188 hits a season. Michael Young for Texas is averaging 184, 185 hits a season. I think if somebody, you know, as far as the young guns go, someone with true potential to break this is Hanley Ramirez. He's played for, you know, barely five seasons. One of the seasons he had, he played for four games, right? And he's averaging 192 hits a season. So a lot of these, especially these young guys, yeah, they have a long way to go before we start talking about knocking on the door that Pete Rose closed. But I think there's enough folks with legitimate shots at that record that I don't think that it's right to list that as unbreakable. So before I give you my top five likely unbreakable records, let me go over some of the other ones I think that have more of a legitimate shot to be broken, but people just keep talking about them as being unbreakable. I mean, folks, I saw a lot of folks put the uh, Patriots 18-game, 19-game winning streak, regular season winning streak, as unbreakable, and the Colts shattered that, right? Uh, folks put, you know, Jerry Rice's season touchdowns, and Moss broke that. Granted, you know, Rice had that in 12 games, and Moss played 16 games. Forgetting about that, people still listed that as unbreakable, and Marino's, you know, touchdown uh, passing record, and, you know, Manning broke it, and then Brady broke it, so... Come on, let's get to realistic. Uh, a lot of folks put Will Chamberlain's 100 points in a game. I 
I, this is not on my top five list. I I think this is in top ten, but the fact that Kobe had 81 a few years ago, I, I think this will be broken. You know, will it be broken in the next 20 years? I don't know. And I understand the argument that people make that why this won't be broken and how the game has changed. And I, I can handle that, but it did, this did not make my top five. Um... You know, there's Margaret Court's Grand Slam record, jumping to tennis. I know I, I said I was going to try to stick to the, the major sports. But she had 62 Grand Slam titles in her career. 24 singles, 19 doubles, and 19 mixed doubles. This isn't in my top five because tennis, for me, is not a major sport. I get uh, infatuated with it every now and again. But I don't really care for tennis that much. And that's just me, right? If it's on your list. I, I get that. I get that. But the reason I, I think this is likely not to get broken is that there aren't a lot of players anymore that really care about you know doubles and mis mixed doubles play. Uh, who was it? It was uh, Martina Navratilova. You know, she came close to this record. You know, she had 59 you know, Grand Slam titles both singles and, and doubles before she retired. You know, and she was a mainstay. You know, if she can't get there, I mean, it's going to be hard. So I, I just think that uh, you know, the endorsements that aren't there for the doubles and mixed doubles. So I don't think that's likely to get broken. Jumping to, because I, I, you know, I took some trips years ago as part of uh, when I was working for this one company. And I went to Australia quite a bit. My buddies down there really kept trying to get me into cricket, right? They try to convert me from baseball to cricket. And I think cricket is enjoyable. Uh, but let's face it, right? And I, because I know I have more than a few listeners in England, uh, no offense to you all, but cricket is merely just an excuse to drink all day. I mean, let's, <laughs> that's really all it is. I'm not saying it's not fun to play because I, I, I enjoyed it, but drinking, that's what it's about. In any case, when you get up there to bat, you know, your, your batting average is, is a percentage. And if you are a, you know, if you can hit 40% of the time, you are considered extraordinary. 50% or more, and you're one of the greats of all time. Don Bradman, and I only know this name because there was this pub we used to frequent in Sydney, and his picture was giant right there on the wall. Uh, Don Bradman's test average is basically his batting average over the course of 20 seasons or so, 99.94%. And if I'm remembering the story correctly from the fellows in the pub that were explaining it to me, it was, you know, in, either in his last at bat or close to one of his last at bats, he finally missed a ball or two, um, which is just incredible. That's probably never going to be broken, right? I think the, the next guy down was like uh, 50, 60 percent, if I remember them telling me. Uh, Byron Nelson winning 11 ma uh, major PGA Tour events in a row. 
a lot of folks say is a lot, you know, won't be broken. I, I think it will be. I think that there are good enough guys out there. I mean, Tiger's got a shot. Um, you never know, right? So I, I don't know that I'd list that as, as unbreakable. Um, Cal Ripken, you know, Iron Man. You know how many games in a row he played. It's not likely to be broken anytime soon just because, you know, most athletes are babies. And they'll sit out on a Saturday just because they're tired. And I can't necessarily begrudge you that, right? There's not many folks like Lou Gehrig and Cal Ripken. But no one ever thought that Gehrig's record would be broken. So I'm sorry that I, I can't list, you know, Iron Man Cal's record as unbreakable. Wayne Gretzky's career points total is unbelievable, right? And I think that's not likely to be broken anytime soon, but I think there are fellas that have a shot at it. So what is my list? My list of five. My list of five. Number five is Gretzky scoring 92 goals in a season. I just think the way that hockey has changed and with the talent out there, and there's some immensely talented hockey players out there, I really don't think that anyone's ever going to score you know, over 60 goals. Well, I won't say 60. That's, that's, I think 60 is reachable. I don't think folks are going to score 75, 80 goals in a season, let alone 92. I, I just don't see it, the way hockey has changed. There's a lot of great unbreakable, likely unbreakable records in basketball. But I, looking at all of them, the record that stands out for me that I just don't think that anyone will uh, break is Bill Russell and his 11 championship rings. I don't think that we're ever going to see a player in any sport that has 11 championships, uh, let alone basketball. I don't think that number three on my list, I don't think it's quite fair, like I said, because of the way baseball has changed. And there's a lot of uh, records in baseball that I don't think have any chance of ever being broken. But the one that stands out that people, you know, baseball folks know most of all is Cy Young's 511 career wins. I, I don't think that that's ever going to be broken. I don't think it's possible. So, again, it's not really fair on this list because of the way the game has changed, but I'm putting it up there. Number two, I'm also staying in baseball. Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. I think with the way that the game has changed, do I think it's possible? Of course I think it's possible to break this record. I don't think it's going to happen, however. I really don't. I think uh, Joe DiMaggio's record is safe for at least in my lifetime, if not more lifetimes. There's a lot of other you know, wonderful records. Looking at some of the records in, in the NFL, there's a lot of awesome records in the NFL. I don't think that any NFL record is currently unbreakable. I think there are some that will last quite a long time, but I don't think any are unbreakable. The number one record that I don't think will ever be broken, and now I'm cheating because I'm jumping out of the major sports, but this is just such an impressive record that I had to list it, and this is number one on my list. The New York Yacht Club winning the America's Cup 132 years in a row. 
never will happen again. I will, I will stake all the money in my pocket on it. Uh, not going to happen. And, you know, I grew up in New England, and I wasn't a big boater, but I liked boats. Uh, it was always fun going down to the sailboats and whatnot. And I helped teach some sailboating at camp, although a buddy of mine, uh, Gibby, was the, was the pro sailboat guy. But in any case, you know, I grew up watching these races, and I remember the year that we finally lost the America's Cup. And 132 years dominance is just massive. I think the record, uh, you know, the longest winning streak since then, and that was, I don't remember the year now, but it was, it was in the 80s, um, is seven. And with the advancement and, you know, just sailing for a lot of countries, I just don't see it. So those are my top five records. I'd love to hear your comments. I'd love to hear what your records are, whether it's sports or something else out there entirely. Send those in to feedback at whereicarusflies.com, and we'll see if we can talk about those on an upcoming segment. It is now time for the Hoover Report. Joey Hoover has been waiting patiently outside. Hey, come on in, Joey! How you doing, Bill? I've got my stuff on there. All right, hey. Hey there. We have had a little bit of a vacation, have we not? Huh? <laughs> yes, it's been too long. Two weeks is too long to be on. Yes, yes it is. So, uh, can I get to it? Are you going to give me yeah, the yeah. Uh, intro? Oh, jeez. Sorry about that. All right. Without further ado, here is... Joey Hoover. Hey, thank you, Bill. Yeah, come on, I wait for that. You got a nice little uh, warm-up there for me. Oh, thank you. All right, let me start. Uh, you know, did you watch the uh, State of the Union the other night uh, by that uh, Barack Obama, our president? Uh, no, I was not able to catch it live. Oh. Uh, I had something to do that night. Oh, you uh, missed but I out. I watched some highlights and read a few articles on uh, reactions. Yeah, why? What's up? Well, that that's good because I think you need to stay up. Everybody should know what's going on. So, oh, I you know, there was a yeah, lot yeah. going on there. I thought it was a pretty good, uh, you know, State of the Union. Uh, but this whole hubbub there over uh, Justice Alito and uh, oh, Barack, yeah. President Obama, you know, kind of getting on the Supreme Court's case during his speech. You know, you you heard about that, right? Oh, yeah. The reaction was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, man. So I happen to think that the, uh, you know, hubbub uh, over his, uh, you know, scowl and whether he mouthed, you know, that's not true or whatever the heck it is he said, uh, I think that's crazy. Uh, you know, he was taking the task as was the court then. And I think, you know, you don't have to agree with the president. Uh, you know, it's not like he was standing up yelling, you lie, and being an idiot, making a jackass out of himself there. You know, so I don't think, I don't have a problem with him, you know, scowling, you know. You know, the hubbub over this whole incident and everybody going crazy with it and the whole thing, it just sucks. <laughs> I agree with you, man. All right, next I got here the NFL. And you know the New Orleans Saints uh -huh. and... You know, they've been doing that whole, who that? Oh, yeah. Who that? Oh, yeah. Who that nation, right? You you got that? Yes, who I, that? I got that. Who I, that? I, I got it. All yes, right. Who that? Right. Got it. All right, man. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, 
the NFL sent cease and desist letters oh, yeah, to many establishments in the New Orleans uh, uh, in Miami areas because they were selling uh, who that shirts. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And you know, I'm sure the NFL just wanted to make some dough off that. Now they of have course. quickly backpedaled and said, "No, no, uh, we really meant, you know, we of course we don't own who that. Uh, we really meant when you were saying who that, and you had the Saints logo, the <laughs> NFL, because that <laughs> yeah, is I saw that. a copyright property. And you know, I do, you know, understand that, but I think." You know, that was just backpedaling and a load of BS, if you ask me. Oh, I totally. don't think that's what they originally meant. It was no mistake. What do you think, huh? Uh, no, I, I agree. I don't think it was a mistake. And if it was a mistake, that dude should just get fired. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, because, you know, this was not, I'm sure, the first cease and desist letter like this the NFL has ever read, uh, written and sent. So anyway, the NFL for the the hubbub over who that NFL, you suck. <laughs> what else you got? All right, since we are already on the topic of the NFL, I just want to throw out the uh, you know a nice honorable mention. Uh, the NFL Pro Bowl, uh, honestly, whether it's later in the season or now the weekend before the Super Bowl. The fact that the, some of the players can't play in it because they're in the Super Bowl. Oh. I've always thought this about the Pro Bowl, uh, but come on. NFL Pro Bowl, that thing sucks. <laughs> Waste. <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Oh, you, you said that very well, yeah. So, you, you, you know about all this trouble there with Toyota, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been reading about that, watching that in the news. Well, yeah. you know, I know you are... Uh, a Honda guy. Oh yeah, I love you him. know. I am a uh, a Mustang connoisseur. <laughs> yes, I but know. Toyota, and you know, I think they're handling this whole uh, pedal thing broken. You could just run off and you know crash and kill people. But I think they you know they're doing the right thing, so that is good to see. Yeah, but it the sure fact is. that they let this thing happen uh, to begin with, you know, at Toyota. You suck. Oh yeah, that's that's sad. And you know, I'm I've always been a Honda guy, so I never thought Toyota was as good as Honda. And you know, here's something else in, yeah. in my book, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Why don't you just buy an American there, buddy? Oh, you don't understand that. <laughs> Give me a break. Anyway, uh, on to some entertainment things. You know that Lady Gaga. Uh huh. You know, Lady Gaga. Yes, I, I got it. the outfits and yeah and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Gaga. Yes, Lady Did Gaga. Hey, all right. <laughs> I I personally think she is overrated and, uh, you know, please. But those outfits, you know, I know sometimes, you know, wear goofy things. But you see that one outfit at the end of the Grammys? Oh, yeah, huge and, hat. Know, the folks behind it, they can't see the stage. Oh, yeah. Lady Gaga in your outfits. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> oh, by the way, that duet with Elton John, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't care for that either. Yeah. Well, I uh, got a couple more, right? All right, go ahead. Yeah, Heidi Montag. You know Heidi Montag, do yeah, you? No, not, not no, really. no, no, uh, no. No, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I know the name. Not that familiar with her stuff. Oh, Why? Come What's on. up? You know, you really need to keep on top of things uh, <laughs> in the entertainment world a little oh, more than that. Come but, on.
You know, I guess that's why you have me, right? Exactly. I depend on you for that. So what about her? Well, you know, she's got a singing career, and she's on that show, The the Hills. Ah, okay. And anyway, she just uh, was under wraps for seven weeks. Really? Because she had ten, count them, ten plastic surgery procedures in the same day. Good Lord. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I thought she was a pretty girl uh, before the procedures. Yeah, I, I, she's I still pretty afterwards there. I didn't see her. Uh, yeah. The only thing I really see noticeable is that she can uh, hold her sweaters uh, better now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, all that plastic surgery there, uh, Heidi Montag... You suck. <laughs> All right, finally, uh, you know, Taylor Swift, uh, you know, a lot of backlash there yeah, about yeah. this young girl. Yeah, I read that. Uh, I don't think it uh, helps her that, you know, her live performance the other night was uh, not good. Oh, yeah. It left something to be desired. Uh-huh. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I mentioned it uh you know, in the beginning of the show. Today. Ah, okay. Well, anyway, you know, you don't get nominated there uh, for so many awards, you know, unless, you know, you got something. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I know I, I said I didn't like Lady Gaga, but I understand why other people do. I, I, I yeah, think I guess so. she's uh, crummy, but, you know, Taylor Swift haters, come on. You suck. <laughs> I think you're just a soft. Yeah, well, that may be. All right, that is the Hoover Report for this week. <laughs> Thank All you. Right. I got to get going there, Bill. All right. Thanks for having me on again. No worries. I will see you at the Super Bowl party. All right. All right. That was Joey Hoover. Well, it's been a great show. Uh, I know I promised you a few weeks back that I was going to do my favorite burgers. Don't worry, that's still coming up. Uh, I didn't get to a couple of burger places that I really wanted to be fair and try their burgers. So that will be coming up next week. That is a definite. I want to talk a little bit about Lost in the weeks to come. The Olympics. We have a lot of other stuff going on. If you want to help me narrow it down, please send me your feedback to feedback at com. Check out the blog. I know it's been a little light on content of late, but I'm going to work on that. So for my pal Joey, this has been Bill. Thank you for joining me. We're Icarus Flies. WeareIcarusFlies.com provides this podcast for your personal enjoyment, information, education, and communication. This podcast is copyright 2010 by WeareIcarusFlies.com. You may not distribute, modify, transmit, reuse, repost, or use the content of this podcast for commercial purposes without the expressed written permission of WeareIcarusFlies.com. Requests for permission to republish or to copy and distribute can be obtained by sending an email to media at Thank you, and have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>